Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I am your host, Tom Sutton. Here it is, this is uh, episode one of uh, my first ever podcast. I've been listening to podcasts since 2006. I remember it well because I was getting divorced at the time. <laughs> and um, it was a Star Wars podcast that uh, helped uh, get me through that experience in lots of ways. Uh, so how long is that now? 14 years? It's only taken 14 years for me to get on with it and uh, record my own. Uh, I have to warn you, this I, uh, I'm planning for this to be the most self-indulgent uh, podcast on the internet. Um, I just felt like um, I, in general, am a creative person and to have been a fan of this kind of stuff for so long, uh, it felt weird not to just jump in and make something of my own. So uh, here it is. A Star Wars podcast, and um, it's uh, why is it self-indulgent? You ask. Well, it's because uh, I'm just doing this for my own entertainment and my own um, fun, really. So um, my apologies. I'm just, uh, you know, um, the Star Wars fans out there will understand that uh, sometimes the, the Star Wars love within you. It overflows and uh, you just, sometimes you feel like, I need somewhere to put this. Um, some time ago I started an Instagram page just for posting Star Wars stuff as a way to uh, express some of that Star Wars love and enthusiasm. And um, this is kind of a, an extension of that. So, um, yeah. It, that's uh, there's the warning. If it's um, kind of uh, goofy or boring, then my apologies. Uh, I'm doing this more or less for myself. All right. So um, uh, here we go. Star Wars thoughts going on this week. Uh, actually, just today. So I live down the road from this. Um, kind of retro toy and uh, kids' books and comic books shop called Sago Björnen. And, um, yeah, they have Star Wars toys in there. And um, for some time they've been selling off uh, Force Awakens and Rogue One era uh, action figures for less than half price. And uh, being a, uh, a quote-unquote musician... I live on a bit of a, uh, you can imagine, a musician's income. So I, it's been a long time since I bought Star Wars stuff or toys or whatever. But um, the fact that it was just down the road and uh, on special meant that uh, I've actually ended up buying a bunch of Star Wars figures for the first time in a long time. Uh, and actually having a great old time. So I've, I've ended up buying every... Um, Every figure they had, um, at you know, one of each one, and uh, there was one left that I didn't pick up because I didn't. I thought it was kind of boring, 
Um, it's a uh, resistance trooper from The Force Awakens. I mean, boring because I, I mean, the, it's one of those classic Star Wars blink and you miss it characters. And um, so I didn't really feel like I needed that one, but as I said, it's just down the road, so I I, I picked that one up today. Um, and it's kind of fun anyway. I mean, it's just, it feels weird to be 43 years old and still getting that feeling that I got, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, I... Um, I've done a bit of detective work, and apparently uh, my dad took me to see uh, The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. And ever since that kind of uh, feeling of excitement around uh, buying Star Wars figures or toys, uh, it's not gone away. So, uh, yeah, that was fun today. I also... um, for a while, at class also on this um, kind of I don't ha- I don't know how to describe it. It's a like a chain store for um, household goods, basically here in Sweden. Uh, for some time, they had this self-service photo printing thing, um, almost like a like an ATM for photos, and uh, I loved it. My apartment is extremely crowded with uh, framed photos and uh, stills from movies and stuff now because of that. And um, yeah, they actually took it away. I don't think it was as successful as they had hoped. It wasn't making the money they had hoped. So uh, it's gone now, which sucks, but my house is almost completely full anyway. But um, I had some like leftover photos that I hadn't found anywhere yet. Um, so uh, I had this, uh, yeah, this nice kind of uh, set of four kind of character uh, sketches. I don't know the name of the artist, but it's uh, Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie, uh, one of each. So I put them and um, one of General Merrick from Rogue One and also... Um, Max Rebo, <laughs> good combination. Uh, that and then uh, there's, you know, the the cinema has this magazine that they put out to promote, you know, what's coming out, I guess. And um, I grabbed one from when The Rise of Skywalker came out, and it had this this nice like double page uh, print of. Um, you know the shot in uh, The Rise of Skywalker when uh, they all jump in the Falcon together uh, together for the first time? It's uh, Ray, Finn, Poe, and Chewie, and they're heading out together, and they kind of l- look at each other. Yeah, it's that shot, so I cut that out and uh, added that, and uh, mm, it's nice. Again, it's funny how much fun I get out of just uh, printing or cutting out photos of Star Wars stuff and working out where it's going to go in in my apartment. So that was fun. Uh, All right. So um, basically, as a uh, kind of uh, for the meat of the show, um, I'm uh, totally going to steal something from someone with a little bit of a difference. Uh, you guys may be familiar with um, Star Wars by Minute, great podcast where they go through minute by minute 
and uh, they've done a bunch of the Star Wars films at this point. I think right now they're doing they're still uh, on Rogue One, which is kind of cool. Uh, the difference is that uh, those guys focus on comedy, and I will be focused entirely on enjoyment and appreciation. Yeah, I'm just gonna stand, sit here, and watch um, watch intently. And um, I'm basically, I'm only going to do films that uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, just to get it out of the way, I'm not a huge fan of the prequels, but I love all the rest. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Now, of course, The Rise of Skywalker just came out a few months ago. So we're going to do that one. Here we go. It's going to be uh, a long ride to get to the end of this one. It's... Uh, over two, uh, like two hours, 20 minutes or something. Uh, here we go. I'm going to hit play on this. And uh, let's see what comes to mind. Ah, the shiny Lucasfilm. I got to say, this a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I seem to remember it being smaller back in the old days. Does that sound right? Actually, um, recently downloaded a uh, what would you call it? Like a 4K, a 4K version of um, of a print of the first Star Wars film, like totally unaltered. It's uh, it l actually looks like shit. <laughs> it looks terrible. <laughs> I was really shocked. I was like, oh my god, here we go. I know the despecialized uh, versions are out there and whatnot. But um, it's really like... Um, uh, it, it, really, it really showed that um, the Star Wars that you saw on the big screen when you were a kid it looked amazing at the time, but um, when you l look at it uh, nowadays, you know, I, like a lot of people, would love to see um, kind of uh, restored versions of the original trilogy, but without the special edition additions. I guess that's ne never going to happen. I'm just going to have to try to get my hands on the despecialized editions because that seems like the one to go for. All right. So, uh, actually, it's my first episode, so I'm allowed to do this. I'm changing my mind. One minute at a time is going to take f forever, and it's not going to be enough fun stuff. So, here we go. We're going to go scene by scene. Uh, the crawl for the Rise of Skywalker. I've heard some people react negatively to the first phrase. I think it's super good. The dead speak. I love that. Now, yeah, I mean, like everybody else, when they straight up just announce the return of the Emperor in a trailer, I was pretty shocked. Um, it seems like the kind of thing you might want to drop in the movie, you know, like a, that would be a huge moment. But um, they just announced it and also said that 
it was basically because they thought there was no way on earth they could keep that a secret, so they thought they'd just put it out. Now, with hindsight, I get the feeling that it was very much because um, it was not going to be as some kind of like great reveal in the film. It was literally like, he's back. How about that? He's the bad guy for this movie, and I guess for the trilogy now with hindsight. But, um, yep. I quite like the crawl, although I was yeah, very surprised that you didn't even have a moment in the film where people were like, oh my god, he's back. It was literally just like, here we go, this is it. Um, yeah, lots of good uh, Star Wars, classic Star Wars type phrases. Uh, sinister, secret agents. Diabolical, that's a good one. I liked it. Um, fun to see Kylo Ren referred to as Supreme Leader. Also cool that these, that um, in the crawl, it uh, uses the phrases. So it says, meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor. That use of the word phantom can't be a mis uh, an accident. Nice callback to episode one. Well done. All right. So, uh, now going into this first sequence, I mean, this is uh, quite a departure. Like anyone who uh, has studied Star Wars uh, would know that you generally open with a kind of an action scene, but we actually open with a kind of a a montage of a battle where Kylo Ren is um, killing his way through these uh, acolytes of of Vader on Mustafar in search of the the Sith Wayfinder. It's super cool, I gotta, like, it's funny, like, the, the visual rules of Star Wars kind of dictate that uh, you don't use slow motion. Now, The Last Jedi used it, and um, I guess from now on, now that the rule's been broken, filmmakers are gonna be free to use slow, mo slow motion as much as they like. I. <laughs> In a way, like I feel like, yes, the visual language of Star Wars should be um, defended or, or, like you know, adhered to. But you know, Star Wars is going to be around for decades to come. You can't expect like twenty years from now. You're really going to be like expecting filmmakers to uh, keep to the exact f uh, filmic language that was established in 1977. Not gonna happen. Yeah, that's a great scene. I love the design on these, uh, the, you know, Vader's uh, followers, or the followers of the cult of Vader. I'm not sure exactly what they're called on Mustafar. They look, <laughs> I've heard this particular kind of silhouette referred to as the Zuvio look, yeah. This um, almost like rice paddy hat uh, look. 
It has, we have seen it before, but it is super good, and Kylo Ren looks super awesome carving his way through them. I'm such a fan of that character. I swear to God, like, I remember when um, when The Force Awakens, we were first getting info, we were first getting shots, and we were first hearing, like, about the casting. And uh, I had seen, strangely, just season two of Girls, and... Um, Loved it and loved him. And when he was announced, I was just like, yes, that guy, that guy can, uh, can act. And um, when the photos started coming out, I was like, oh, I love this. And uh, yep, still a huge fan of that character to this day. I, I mean, what, when that first Force Awakens trailer came out, like, um, I have to say, I did not react positively to the crossguard light lightsaber. Um, I, 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 it seemed kind of clunky or cheesy to me, which is weird because pretty soon I just got used to it, and now I absolutely love it. I think it really is. It really represents um, his kind of physical, uh, kind of his brutal strength in a way, and his aggression. I love that. So uh, here we go. I'm going to press play again. Mm, I love that. Oh, that's killer. So when they use the... It's, it's kind of like... He's using the force to push the lid off this uh, container that holds the wayfinder and the dust gets blown off it as he approaches it. I just... I love little things like that. And I, in a way, it just paints a picture of Kylo Ren as this guy who's he's got this power just um, fizzling, fizzing off him, you know. Um, a lot of people have said, why not just make it a holocron? Well, yeah, actually, you know, uh, the word holocron has become a well-known term in Star Wars fandom at this point, but there's still a huge percentage of uh, the moving going public who would have no idea what that is instead of having to have a scene where you explain what it does you just put it right in the name it's a wayfinder everyone goes aha okay that makes sense um we've got uh oh, i just love this where ren is like Look, he's holding the wayfinder in his hand. He looks into it, and um, there's this kind of—I uh, don't know how to describe it, this red dot floating through whatever's in there, and that blends into a shot of uh, Ren's Tie Fighter uh, uh, heading into this uh, Maelstrom type stuff that uh, I guess is surrounding Exegol. Oh, this is weird. Like, it's, I mean, this has been going on for decades. It's not, it's nothing new. But the way that's like, these tiny little details in, in Star Wars will just appeal to you for some reason. For some reason, this shot where um, the uh, like the Wayfinder is connected to the TIE Fighter's navigation system in some way. There's these wires attached to it, and you see this kind of um, 
almost like a panel's been removed inside the cockpit, and uh, you see this um, little bit of machinery kind of like, turn. I just love it. It just looks super cool. Like, I have to say, like, nine, 95% or higher of the sequel films and the, well, the new films in general, that includes Solo and Rogue One, I just think visually they nail what Star Wars should look like. I can point to one or two things where I'm like, eh, it's not, it's not really what I want to see in Star Wars. But after the prequels, that to me missed the mark so badly, visually speaking. Um, I just, I can pause a shot, like it's a shot of this wayfinder thing attached to to you know some machinery in his tie fighter and i get a, a thrill out of it it's crazy to me that looks like star wars i love it it's a little bit uh, i mean i'm basically here to have fun um talking about stuff i like but i guess i should talk about stuff i don't love from time to time as well but that maelstrom thing it's pretty clear that you can go around it <laughs> It's like it doesn't surround the entire planet, so I'm not sure why they couldn't just hyperspace around it. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's keep going. Cool design on his Tie Fighter, by the way. What's it called? A Tie Whisperer or something? All right, approaching Exegol. This looks killer. Oh, the like the the spots of rain on the on the windshield of the like the cockpit. That looks great. And then, I mean, pfft, here's something that I've noticed. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know even know if it's. I think it's um, something that's been introduced in the Rise of Skywalker. Actually, um, this thing where you get these kind of like um, trails leading off the um, the ships. So you get this kind of like it's almost like a chemtrail look. I love it. I think it looks really cool. I know it like scientifically makes no sense whatsoever, but it just looks killer. It gives this feeling of speed, of cutting through the air. I love that. And this shot of Ren's TIE fighter approaching whatever this Sith monument is, or I mean it's what is it? A, a some kind of like Sith stronghold? It looks almost like if you picked up a a pyramid and turned it upside down and then dumped it back into the earth but that kind of just that dominating shape the uh the the um the concept artists have done it again this is looks fantastic i mean really like i got to say it again Visually, I love these films so much. Super good. Actually, m the um, the art of The Rise of Skywalker is about to come out. I can't wait. That's going to be super good. I keep checking my mailbox every day to see if it arrives, but it hasn't come yet. All right. These flashes of lightning and the sound. Oh, my God. Did anybody see this in, in the IMAX? Because... It made me a bit addicted to IMAX, actually. Like, the sound 
was insane. I loved it. And all these, like, the flashing lightning and stuff in this whole opening section. And then, I mean, we'll get to Palpatine, but killer. It's just 10 out of 10 sound-wise. I love it. And now, okay, so we've got, we've got the shot here. It was in one of the trailers. Uh, Kylo Ren has his TIE fighter parked. He's walking across this cracked, dry uh, f earth. Pulls out the lightsaber, ignites it. It almost scrapes the floor. There's dust flying. There's lightning sparking. He should be terrified. He's not at all. Look at him. He's just having a good time. No, he's not having a good time. But he just, he looks supremely confident. He's just come to end this idiot. Ooh. He doesn't really know what he's dealing with. But it's cool to see him looking just totally un, uh, unbothered by what he's here to do. Again, great character. Love him. This was kind of cool. I mean... Sometimes there's a line between like design and practicality. If you make it uh, too, you know, cool but totally impractical, something in uh, the viewer's brain goes like, <laughs> "Yeah." So this shot of uh, Kylo Ren basically on this platform that descends into the the whatever. I, it, can imagine there was probably a more, <laughs> more practical way to get down there. Maybe some stairs or something. I don't know. Maybe it's to sort out the uh, force users from the the non-force users. But um, hey, it looks super cool. Again, in IMAX, this looked amazing in the cinema. How many times? I think I saw it. Like I saw it seven times in the cinema. And in IMAX, I reckon I reckon IMAX was at least four of those times or something. Bonkers. Ah, oh, has anyone seen the um, the documentary yet that comes with the uh, with the home release of the Rise of Skywalker? They talk about these giant statues in uh, Palpatine's lair, and they talk about how they were designed. And initially, he showed the scale of what a human was supposed to be on them on a maquette. And uh, then he goes, and then we decided to make them way bigger and showed the, the scale of the humans shrinking down so that they it would be as huge and as menacing as possible. I like that. I think as, ever since I saw, um, is it the first Lord of the Rings movie? You know, when they, they're going down the river and they go between these gigantic statues on either side of the river. I just thought that really showed, I just felt like, Scale, you can't beat it. Now, oh, Palpatine's voice in this whole thing is fantastic. Love it. It's so good. Like, again, in IMAX, it was just shaking the room. I mean, I feel like we should all buy flowers for Ian McDermott. Like, I can never, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. I've heard it pronounced like 18 different ways. Ian McDermott? Dermid. I'm going to say it that way. All right, here we go. We should all send him flowers because what a gift he has given us with this incredible performance. I love it. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. I love it. It's going to be my phrase, I guess. All right. Now, 
Here's one of the big questions regarding, I guess, the the major plot points of this uh, of this film and the trilogy. What we is about to be uh, revealed is that Snoke was a clone. Palpatine says to Kylo Ren, I made Snoke. So, was Snoke a clone that was under some kind of control? Because like he reporting back to Palpatine? Or was he literally an eight-foot-tall meat puppet that Palpatine was operating? Hard to say, but there's a line here. Snoke trained you well. It sounds like Palpatine is kind of surprised. So, or he, in a way, he's learning something about Kylo and he didn't necessarily know, or about Ren's relationship with Snoke. So, is it possible that uh, Snoke had some some degree of autonomy, that he was under Palpatine's thumb a hundred percent, but that it wasn't necessarily Palpatine's consciousness staring through the eyes of Snoke at every moment. Interesting. I killed Snoke. I'll kill you, killer. Sorry, I'm just watching now. Yeah. This was a cool, really cool concept. I have been in every voice you ever heard inside your head and it cuts from Palpatine's voice to Snoke's voice to Vader's voice. I think that's fantastic that this kind of relationship that Kylo Ren had with Vader's melted mask was nothing but Palpatine controlling, seeking to control this kid. Because I think... You know, when he says, like, Grandfather, show me again the power of the dark side. <sighs> or darkness, I don't remember. I think a lot of us said, like, how can Vader be... Is Vader somehow communicating with Kylo Ren through this mask? Vader should be gone. Anakin Skywalker returned, you know. Um, but now when you see that... Um, it was actually Palpatine uh, using his evil black magic to trick him. It was actually Palpatine who was speaking to him the whole time. And that, that's nice. That makes that line up better for me. <sighs> the flashing again. Now, this was super cool. One thing I did not love about episode two was the cloning facilities and um, everything on Camino. It just looked way too shiny, way too like glossy. It went against the entire used universe look of Star Wars. I didn't like it, and I just thought the I like they really missed a chance to do something kind of like disturbing with the cloners. Like cloning is weird. Think about it, like, in our world, like, e even when, when you go, oh, yeah, we cloned a sheep, people go, like, eh, that's kind of weird. When you think about cloning people, it gets very, like, really kind of creepy. So, come on. So, I'm, su I'm super happy with the way this looks, like, the 
just I remember when I first saw the film and seeing these Snoke clones like suspended in some kind of urine-like liquid in these vats. I just thought it was, it just looked cool. Does it make sense that his like faces, you know, that he's injured in the same way? Yeah, I mean, I just don't care. You know what I mean? It's fine with me. I don't care. Um, sometimes coolness overrides logic. And these, like the cloners, their their cloaks look cool. These face wrappings, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, banging. I mean, this. Come on, this is so good. This f line here. This line that they've resurrected from episode three. The dark side is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. It's a cool callback. I think when Palpatine said it originally in episode three, that it kind of makes you like, sparks your imagination like, oh, what's he talking about? What can, what can the Sith do that we don't know about yet? And... Um, kind of helps to explain how the hell this guy came back. Now, we I'm going to get into that once we finish the scene, but uh, cuz that's a whole thing. But um I just this is some I for for me absolutely some of the best like Palpatine stuff we've ever had with the the camera pans around and just like he's just it's just dark and then you don't see the flash of light on his face until he says the word unnatural and you just see his lips are blackened. His eyes are milky. It's super gross and disturbing. I love it. Kylo Ren doesn't care. Just put, whip, puts the saber in his face. Again, the sound in, in IMAX of that saber. It's such a, an, a like an aggressive sounding lightsaber to begin with. But with those giant speakers cranking out the volume. Whew, loved it. Ah, oh, and that was, again, perfect sound design sound design. Kylo Ren says, what could you give me? And then there's that little, it's almost, you know, it, there's this little gap of almost silence and then you just hear Palpatine's voice, everything. Perfect. I love it. Oh, he raises his hands. His flesh is like melted off. <laughs> it's great. To me, like, I know like it's taken, you know, some people didn't they felt like it wasn't explained or something. I think as soon as you saw him looking like that with the his fingers half missing and stuff, to me, it it felt like, you know, now that the novel has come out, it's been explained more. But to me, visually, it did tell the story that Palpatine was living in this body, but the body couldn't couldn't support the power. And the darkness of uh, flowing through Palpatine. I think it really, it's super cool. Now these, um, this fl mega fleet of star destroyers that he's had hidden on Exegol, lifting out of the Earth. Visually, super, super, super good. Makes not a super much sense, I guess, logically. I don't care. Uh, I liked this idea of calling it the final order 
the fact that the, like Palpatine's been pulling the strings from the beginning, set up this thing called the First Order to pull the remnants of his uh, empire together to get to work on reconquering the galaxy, uh, and then flipping it and going, time for the final order. I love that. Very cool. Oh, I love that you see um, the red glare reflected in Kylo Ren's eyes. Just, I think, like, vis again, visually, this movie rules. I think all the new Star Wars movies look 10 out of 10, pretty much. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, this is, like, I've heard some people say, like, Come on, like Kylo Ren, he, he was already like the supreme leader of the First Order, who, as far as we know, are uh, finding a fair bit of success with conquering the galaxy. And he finds this fossil. He's come there specifically to kill him. Why does he change his mind? I think there's a line here that really helps to kind of sell that. When Palpatine says... Do what your grandfather could not. Now, what do we know about Kylo Ren? He loves Darth Vader. And one of his deepest fears was that he would never be as strong as Vader. Ray uh, found that in his mind in episode uh, 7 when uh, he was in interrogating her. Now, I feel like this is a carrot in a way that Palpatine is dangling in front of him saying, uh, if you join me and help me take this final step to conquering the galaxy, you will do what your grandfather could not. And I think for Kylo Ren, that's going to be, that's a way for him to silence that voice forever, saying, like, you're not good enough, you're not powerful enough. Now's a chance to prove to everyone, especially himself, that he is powerful enough. I mean, Palpatine just looks so good. I love the milky eyes. Yeah, that's a cool line. Talking about Rey, beware, she's not who you think she is. Then Ren says, who is she? Palpatine smiles. Again, like the flashing, the lighting on that. Could not be better. All right. So that's the end of the first scene in The Rise of Skywalker. Here we go. So, yeah, before we, before we get to the end of that, I just want to talk about the this like return of Palpatine. Was I shocked at the end of the film that they, that they did not specifically explain it? Yes. After the second time I saw it, was I still shocked that they didn't explain specifically how Palpatine returned? Yes. <laughs> but something changed when I saw it the third time. I just, I was, you know, by that point you've kind of, you know what's, what you like about it, you know what you don't like about it. And by that point I had just kind of accepted it. And what I, what the thought that occurred to me was, what, what difference does it make? To explain it would take literally one to two lines of dialogue. And would that really make it better? Would it make it cooler? Or what would change, really? 
So I kind of accepted it. Now, um, I remember I heard someone uh, come up with a theory. I really liked that one. I thought, all right, that's going to be my head cannon. I like that one. That person's uh, theory was that um, Palpatine's broken body was somehow retrieved from the wreckage um, and that the spirit that you see leaving uh, leaving the shaft in episode six that it that through the help of these uh, the Sith black magic that it was a, a, a allowed that spirit to re-enter this broken corpse I thought that was, that was cool I like that um, now in the in the novel of course it states that actually what you see in uh, Rise of Skywalker is the result of cloning. He is a clone. But the issue is that um, Palpatine is so powerful that um, a regular clone cannot withstand that level of uh, evil and darkness and so very quickly decays once Palpatine is in there. And that's why Palpatine needs Rey, who is um, of a similar level of uh, power and ability, so that uh, he can, yeah, take her body. So, yeah, I was pretty blown away that they didn't that they just kind of waved their hand and went Sith magic, cloning, secrets only the Sith knew. Don't pay attention to it. It was uh, I was surprised, but I basically accepted it and just got on with enjoying myself. And then uh, when the novel came out and uh, I heard this kind of uh, this other expl explanation, which makes perfect sense actually. You know, there's something that I like about all this is in episode six, you see like when you see the spirit um, or whatever that you know the this blue howling apparition come flying out of that uh that uh that shaft that Vader threw him down. I don't know why it was put there. I don't know what they were thinking about, what they wanted to show. They maybe they just needed they couldn't just have Palpatine float you know, floating into the distance. They needed something to really punctuate that moment in the film. But what's nice is that it it lines up with what we're seeing in the Rise of Skywalker. Very cool. All right, so that is the first uh, scene of Rise of Skywalker and my comments, the stuff I love about it. We'll get into the next scene of the Rise of Skywalker on the next episode. So uh, looking forward to that. All right, I think we're going to pack it up there. Thanks for listening. Um, it's been really fun. My name is Tom Sutton. This is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me.